Hi, I'm Jackie Miller, certified divorce coach and the host of this podcast, Out of Crazy Town, your guide to divorcing a narcissist. Today, I'm speaking with Miriam Chang, certified divorce financial analyst or CDFA. Miriam will not only explain why a CDFA is a necessary expert for your divorce team, but she will tackle some complicated issues that can arise during the divorce process and explain how a CDFA can help you avoid big mistakes in a settlement. Narcissists are masters at manipulating financial information. A CDFA can help you navigate the overwhelming financial component of your divorce and work with your attorney to get you the settlement that you deserve. Hello, Miriam Chang. How are you? Hello, hello. Hi, Jackie. Thank How are you? you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Out of Crazy Town, your guide it, to a narcissist. It is my pleasure. It is my pleasure. <laughs> good. Thank you. And um, I want to tell everybody a little bit about you first um, and your background. So Miriam is a CDFA or Certified Divorce Financial Analyst who worked for two decades for certified public accounting firms, Ernst & Young and PricewaterhouseCoopers. She specialized in international tax for cross-border executives of multinational companies. And Miriam is adept at translating complex tax rules and policies in layman terms so that her clients can clearly understand the financial impact of their decisions and can effectively plan for their future which is huge, implies uh, <laughs> knowledge in tax law and marital asset distribution in the context of divorce is especially important as she helps navigate her clients through the divorce process and prepare for financial success. So that is exactly why you're here today. We really need to understand the role of the CDFA and just how important it can be in the divorce process. But first of all, tell me a little bit personally about your journey to becoming a, C a CDFA and how you got there. Sure, sure. I've always been like a numbers gal, as you've indicated, with an emphasis in tax. I found myself being an accountant, divorcing another accountant in what was supposed to be a garden variety divorce. And yet I was scared, overwhelmed, completely, sometimes terrorized mm. and sometimes sandbagged about the financial issues relating to divorce. And I was actually kind of surprised about that because as you've mentioned, my focus has always been on tax. I've always been in accounting, you know, passed all four parts of the CPA exam first time, did well in my career. And then all of a sudden, I'm sitting at this table next to my attorney across the table from my soon-to-be ex with his attorney, and I'm completely perplexed, and I'm completely not understanding why they could be even be asking for certain things in this divorce process. And it led me to like research and review and understand that a lot of divorce finance, it's not intuitive. It's not even sometimes common sense. It's very state-specific, but I also found people asking me for advice, information, and then I came across this Certified Divorce Financial Analyst program, which is for financial professionals that specifically have a specialty in all the nuances that people go through through divorce, right? So there's usually a marital asset split, 
you know, support comes into play, sure. planning for your future. Those are the three big hubs that you probably go through in a time period when you're most likely in fight or flight mode. You're kind of, if you're anything like me, you're a little bit of an emotional puddle, you know, not really sure where what's left and right. I think everyone uh, is. Sure. Yeah. And so it's really a great kind of team member to have with you when you go through the divorce process. You know, we all have different gifts. And even when you are a numbers person, such as myself, there are just very specific factors that you want to consider when you go through your divorce. Absolutely. Yes. There are a multitude of issues that come up um, relating to finances that you would never have to discuss um, if it mm -hmm. were not for the fact that you were in a divorce process. And so I can definitely see the need having gone through a divorce myself for someone who completely specializes um, in yeah. the finances of divorce and the accounting of divorce. And to that end, if I understand correctly, um, maybe you can explain this a little more. CDFAs often have come from two different backgrounds. They can either come from a background of being a financial analyst, or they can come from a background of being an accountant. Is that true? And can you speak to that? Yeah, I think you're going to find CDFAs either being accountants or certified financial planners or investment brokers. I think that they both have their value. I think that if I were to put it one way, let's say your divorce is going to be complicated because of either in the emotion or there's a complete lack of trust or breach. You know, forensic accountants, accountants have a specialty in looking at the paper trails, analyzing the tax returns, understanding where things come from to be able to deeper dive and give you probably a little bit more insight on what your financial picture might look like. I think financial planners are great when you've got a chunk of money and for planning, Mm -hmm. and maybe structuring how you want to allocate some of the assets. They each have their place. I think it really depends on what flavor of divorce you're kind of going to go through sure. and what's going to be important to you. Yeah. Um, often um, have told clients in my divorce coaching business to sort of either describe if they're currently in their divorce, what the personality of their divorce is, or even though we, none of us can really anticipate everything that's going to happen during the divorce, have a conversation with your attorney about what path you think it might take. And I think that that would help decide, like you said, if you're going to have a divorce, it's maybe a little more complicated on the financial side. If maybe you need someone with more of an accounting background as a CDFA versus a financial planner. Yeah. And one of the things that I do say to my clients too, and you know, it's, I am very there for your divorce process. You know, obviously afterwards, um, I can also help with your tax filings. Um, a lot of times when couples separate, they get their own financial planners, they get their own accountants, you know, unless it's extremely amicable, but I'm kind of focused on the transaction at, at hand right? I have no skin in the game on what you do with your investments. So I feel like I'm going to be really objective on trying to advise you on what would be a right split for your marital assets, for example, right? Sure. I will often refer my clients to a financial planner so that they can best use their money and invest and plan for the future afterwards. And if there's any retirement accounts and they want to roll over accounts and split them, I mean, they're the people you want to go to too. 
So I think it depends on, you know, where you are in your divorce and what what's your pressing need. You know, it, it almost seems like when you go through divorce, there's so many different issues. You know, if you've got children, child custody issues, you know, layer in all the finances and everything like that. I think it it's helpful to have somebody and, you know, that's divorce coaches are great for that because they'll actually help you organize, streamline, and then figure out what are the key priorities you want to focus on. And from there, you can probably see what CDFA is probably going to work best for you. Sure. And you just mentioned something I hadn't thought of before, because if often high conflict divorces can drag on for extended amount of time, and most likely you're going to have April 15th come and go, or the you know the tax day come and go during your divorce time. And you're going to have to file taxes during a divorce, which can be, you know, very complicated. And you may have to consider, you know, if you're going to file jointly, right? Or married yeah. separately. And so having an accountant right there, understanding your financial information as this tax day comes and goes, um, I would think would be really helpful. Yeah. And just understanding, you know, what, Sometimes it's even, you don't know what questions to ask mm-hmm. or you don't know what kind of documentation to have. You know, let's face it, doing taxes, most people, you know, think that it's similar to like going to the dentist. It's like something you have to do. It's not something that you want to do, right? <laughs> but I think it's just, but it's, it's a requirement. One thing that I will say, when you file a tax return jointly, you're you're attesting to all the information that's in there. And you're also jointly and severely liable for, you know, what you're reporting on the tax return. And in California, we're a community property state, everything's 50-50, right? Right. So you're technically responsible for 50% of the income, 50% of the deductions, 50% of the tax. And um, you're asserting when you sign that tax return that, you know, if anything goes awry later, you're going to be on the hook. You know, I mean, there's certain provisions like the innocent spousal relief that you can probably want to weigh your cost benefit on what you're doing. And then also even understanding, I have plenty of people that come to me and say, should I file jointly? Should I file separately? I go through a little bit of specifics. A lot of the times I tell them, you know, you're just going to file jointly. The cost benefit, you know, it's usually a little bit more tax efficient to do it that way. Mm -hmm. But it's really specific to the circumstance, I think, is the one thing. Sure. You mentioned a key factor, I think, if there is a lot of mistrust um, in the relationship or if one party has truly been kept in the dark, you know, about a lot of the finances or unfortunately in high conflict divorce, when often one party is divorcing someone like with a narcissistic personality disorder, there's been financial abuse, not only in the marriage, but it's going to continue into the divorce. In marriage, everybody divides and conquers. I'll take care of the kids. You pay the bills, you know, things like that happen. And that's, that's not unhealthy. It's how a lot of relationships work. But I think in a financial abuse setting, if one party's really been kept in the dark and been signing tax returns and not been shown the information that they should have over the years or explained the tax returns to them, as you mentioned, that's something you want to communicate, right, with your CDFA to help you decide if you're going to file jointly or separately. And then Absolutely. you also meant, could you elaborate a little bit on the innocent spouse relief that you just mentioned and what that is? Well, that there's, there's two different ways that you can go about it. It's probably most often used if you do file a joint tax return and then later on the IRS comes back and might, 
you know, impose some penalties or interest or they're questioning some details. If you meet certain qualifications and it's kind of difficult to be completely open and honest with you, you can actually assert that, you know, I shouldn't be held liable for like, I know, I know a case where a woman, she had $30,000 due and she just didn't have the money to pay the liability. Mm. And it was attributable to largely what her ex-husband had been reporting. And she was able to file an innocent spouse relief and was granted um, the relief it's interesting with the IRS, they're seeing more and more claims for this going up each year. She was able to assert because she also was able to um, indicate that there was some um, abuse in the relationship. So certain factors do get considered. Okay. But um, reason to know there are court cases, you know, in front of the IRS where they kind of knew that the wife didn't sign the documents or maybe the signature was forged, right? So it's like fraudulent, anything fraudulent, you know, there's some opportunities, but you see all different things, you know, I, and like you said, it's, it's not uncommon in a long-term marriage. I see it a lot where, you know, over the years, you know, you just, you rely on one spouse to take care and manage that function. Oh, okay. You're going to take care of the tax returns and you, there's this inherent trust like, okay, everything's going to be fine. And it, it happens more often than not that I see one spouse that has no idea what's going on with the tax returns. I had a case where somebody didn't realize she thought her husband was making all this money and he wasn't. He actually was losing a tremendous amount of money wow. and was doing a lot of things. She was shocked. She was shocked when she finally like found out. And she only found out once she started getting copies of the tax returns through the divorce process. Yep. You know, the one thing that I say to everybody, whether you're going through divorce or not, just be cognizant. You don't have to be an expert about your finances, but it's it, it's good to like at least be, you know, have a cursory knowledge or at least understand going on with your finances, you know? And this topic's actually come up uh, interviewing other guests where I've just sort of urged whether you're listening for yourself or you're listening for a friend, it doesn't matter. Anyone out there that's not the person that's in control of the finances, just take this so worth it to take the time for many reasons to sit down and just understand what's going on in your financial life. You know, it doesn't have to be a divorce or an abusive relationship, just in any scenario, it's a good idea. And you mentioned something regarding tax returns. And I want to relate that back to, again, not only in divorce, but if you're divorcing a spouse that is not being forthcoming with the financial information and you have, it's been difficult to get things like tax returns or, you know, other financial information from them. What is one way someone can go about getting some of this information if it's really available to them? Yeah, well, you can go online, set up an IRS e-account, and you can get transcripts of your tax returns. I think it's, I think it's 59, maybe $60 um, that you have to pay a fee, but you can um, get at least a summary statement of the information that was submitted as a starting point. If you have a CPA or accountant that has prepared your tax returns, um, you can ask for the last three years of the copies of the tax returns and they should give you copies of those. Um, and there are different routes that you can go about getting at least the minimum information. 
okay. for your tax returns. You can get full-blown tax transcripts as well. You'll know like if you actually um, bought a house, a lot of the times your mortgage broker, just to verify your income, you know, you give them copies of your tax returns, but they'll also ask you to complete a form because they get transcripts from the IRS just to verify and make sure because anybody could kind of compile information on a tax return, right? And send a copy. Yeah. Well, they I, that's they're going to do the same process when you buy a house. A lot of the times they'll ask for that same IRS transcript to make sure that, you know, the information that's reported is, you know, ticks and ties to the copies of the tax returns that they provided to you. Okay. And again, on the subject of tax returns, just like your divorce may have a different personality from others, your tax return can have a different personality. Absolutely. <laughs> and the reason I say it like that is in talking to clients, you'll meet some who it's a little more straightforward. One or both spouses work for companies and they have W-2s and that gets reported on the tax return and it's, everything's fairly straightforward. And then you could have one spouse that is self-employed in another situation and the tax returns can get really complicated if there are LLC, multiple LLCs or, you know, lots of losses being carried over. And now I'm getting way out of my territory. This is yours. But but maybe you can just speak to the difference in, in those two scenarios. Well, I think in both scenarios, it's important to get a good qualified professional to look at your details because... When I meet with a client, the tax returns the starting point. You know, it's interesting. I've gotten, I've seen thousands of tax returns over my career. And I've gotten to the point where, you know, it's almost like a, a financial history or blueprint for the person. You can even tell where somebody probably, where they were born based on the first three digits of their social security number, you know? So it's like, there's a lot of things that you can, you know, surmise from the tax returns. Okay. But even when you're a W-2 employee, things that I see missed. Um, if you don't ask for, okay, you've got stock options or equity or deferred comp, that's not going to show up on your tax return, but it's a question that you need to ask. Or do you have a, you know, pension or what type of retirement accounts do you have associated? Because let's say in the former, you, you know, your one spouse is an executive at a high tech company. They might have been granted, you know, stock options or restricted stock units, and they weren't vested yet. You only see it on the tax return when the income gets kind of distributed or earned. But there might have been a three-year period that they had to be employed by the company. That could have been a marital period. And it, based on the timing, you want to make sure that you understand what the full marital asset entails. And that can include some of this intangible income. Okay. like equity. Um, for personal businesses, um, we see that there might be a little bit more discretion. Sometimes you can see aggressive accounting in play. There's these things called Percocets. They're not um, pills. They're um, benefits. That, um, <laughs> after you read it, but... <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But you know, there's some business owners, especially if they're not, and most of them aren't publicly traded, you know, you could have, you know, attorneys or doctor's offices or personal businesses, a lot of entrepreneurs in our area, they're mixing in a lot of personal benefits with their through the business or they're allocating assets to their business, you know, you can put a a boat and 
attribute that asset to your business and put it through an LLC or you can create a trust to do that. I think it, some of this stuff doesn't show up on your tax return either. Okay. So a lot of it's going to be kind of having conversations with the person that's going through it and recollecting certain things mm -hmm. and then asking the right questions afterwards just to understand what are we really looking at and you know is there a complete breakdown in trust where you really don't feel like you get a good sense of knowing what's on the table for you right and so more and more in this conversation, I'm sure the listeners are realizing why a CDFA is so important, I believe, in the divorce process, uh, because you do, you need to sit down and, and basically untangle the web, if you will, or the mm -hmm. not in, to lay it all out and have it explained to you in those layman terms, if you're not the expert, you know, what this means. And like you said, it's almost deciphering code. You can tell a lot of things from looking at that tax return. And so I think it's extremely important to sit down with someone like you and really understand the tax returns. And that's why they're so important to get in the marriage so that you can divide up the assets. Um, along yeah. those lines as well, I want to talk about the marital home. And just as an example of things mm -hmm. that can be complicated, because I know, for instance, the marital home can take on so many scenarios as well. You know, when I was interviewing attorneys, one of the first things they asked me is, do you own, own your home? Um, did you put money into it from your separate property? Did your spouse? So could you talk about the marital home and some of the um, situations that you've seen? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things. We live in California, a community property state, basically from the time that you get married. Anything up until that time is really considered separate property. Okay. Gifts, inheritance are also considered separate property, even when they happen during your marriage. And so you'll see sometimes a couple, maybe somebody had a house beforehand and they lived in it, but then they get married and both of them live in the house during the time period. You know, does that house then still become his, his or her separate property? Um, well, Moore's Marsden is a case. They look at any equity claimed and that was put into the home. So to the extent that there's any increase in equity on the home during the marital period, there's a certain calculation that you would um, perform okay. in order to allocate. So it's not 100%. So the long and short answer is um, it depends and it's not that clear cut, but it depends on if you're putting, you know, any assets into the property that were separate. You also want to look at, you know, deeds tied to the home. Um, some people get really fancy and complicated and they put things through trusts. Obviously prenuptials, you know, that's a given. That's going to factor in as well. Some things that I see that happen once a couple decides that they're going to separate and this is it and one person leaves the house um, and the other person stays. A lot of times I see the mom staying because they want to keep the kids especially and keep some continuity from the date of separation until the date of divorce. And sometimes these divorces drag out a really long time because they're going back and forth on different issues. Mm -hmm. um, there's something called Watts charges and Epstein credits. Watts charges, you know, technically the, let's say the husband or the father moved out, he could actually come back and ask for 50% reimbursement of what the fair rental value is for renting out that home. Wow. And a lot of people are surprised at that. It's not, it's not statutory. What do I mean by that? It's not straightforward, clear cut, you've got to pay it. 
Okay. But I do see it get thrown in there when couples are mediating or if they're litigating, you know, there's a lot of bargaining and negotiating back and forth. Sure. Um, other couples, if they're fine and they understand the kids are being taken care of and it's all, it's temporary and it's a wash, it doesn't even come into question. Okay. But I think it's just understanding your situation. I think the longer your divorce takes, it tends to be more expensive too. A lot of these issues just kind of fester. And I understand. I mean, mine was not a quick divorce either. I think that to the best that you possibly can, treat it as a business transaction. Um, if you can peel away the emotion and then just consider what do you need to thrive in your new independent life and be okay. Mm -hmm. I think that takes away a lot of the back and forth and putting your energy really where it should be, right? Absolutely. So you've mentioned just a couple of pearls of wisdom there. And again, why it's so important to talk to someone like you, because for instance, I think that a lot of people, most of my clients don't, um, first of all, understand a date of separation, which is a very specific date, not necessarily the date you filed, not necessarily the date your spouse was served. It's, it, you need to talk to your attorney. Yes. It is because a lot of your finances depend on it. And that um, mm -hmm. if I'm not saying that wrong, I hope. Correct. Correct. The other thing, just the little surprises that can come along the way. I mean, who knew if I'm mom and I stay in my house and my soon-to-be ex moves out, that when we come to settle, I might have to pay rent for continuing to keep me in my, you know, but these are yeah. important things to know and consider. Like you said, and they may not happen in the divorce, but they are little kind of, I don't want to say dirty tricks because there are statutes for them, but they are kind of little dirty tricks when you're divorcing somebody in a high conflict situation that can come up. Are there any other sort of slippery situations you've seen your clients get into when divorcing someone who's sort of a scorched the earth? Yeah, I think there's like obviously the dissipation of assets. Somehow there's like this reduction of assets that seem to like seem to seemingly go away or we don't know. You see a lot of withholding of information sometimes, especially if it's, you know, there might have been an abusive relationship and that, you know, I work in close concert with the attorney. My preference is obviously let's try and get through divorce in the most calmest Zen way possible mm -hmm. because it's a tough, it's a tough process. I don't wish it on anybody, but you know, it happens and there are good ways to get through it or better ways to get through it than having to go through all that. Um, I think getting as much information up front. I know it's hard, especially when you're going through the emotional kind of crisis of divorce, but getting all that paperwork, it's such, it's a lot of paperwork. I'm not going to um, lie, you know, but it's, it's okay to ask for help. It's absolutely okay to ask for help. And I think, you know, if that's not your gift, you definitely want to be able to start gathering all that information sooner rather than later. You know, control always comes into play a lot of times in a divorce, especially when there's a breach of trust. I mean, unfortunately, some people withhold information from the other. It's not necessarily the husband either. I mean, I see it both ways. 
it's it, it's not about a win or a losing game. You just want to have success through the process. And by success, I mean, make sure that you understand what your rights are, you understand what your situation is, and you're aware of it. And you know what you need to do to make sure that you're on your feet, and you're going to be okay, you right. know, 10 years down the road, right? Those and- are good things. Those are very good things. And so a couple things with that, because you mentioned um, what you need to move on in the future and what your number is. And I know you and I have had this conversation before, but I think it's so important. Um, And so first of all, I would like you to walk the listeners through just some of the documents, like, you know, specific documents, maybe they need to start working with somebody like you and then talk about what their number is is because that could be such an important thing for someone to focus on instead of all the other emotional issues that can come up in a divorce to sort of get them to the finish line and get them onto a life that's just more positive. Absolutely. I think that, um, and by your number, you know, we kept talking about a magic number. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you might get a case where people are just not going to share information and they'll go to extremes to make sure that information is not shared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it is what it is. You can go through all the legal measures, but it's, it's difficult. And you also have to consider the emotional and mental toll that that takes on you. Sure. And, you know, if your main goal is let's finalize this marriage, let's move on with our next lives or, or you know, our next chapter. Sometimes I think that it's very positive for the one spouse that's having difficulty trying to gather all the information because one spouse is being so withholding to just figure out what what is it exactly that you need what do you need to be okay you know are do you, are you a mother what are your expenses let's fine tune your budget let's go through your monthly expenses let's see what's required what's discretionary what's a nice to have let's see what's workable um you know are you working is that does that work with your child's you know custody arrangements? How does that factor in? How do you make money? How do you how are you self sufficient? Mm-hmm. Or do you think that you're going to get enough of a marital asset settlement that you can live for X amount of time? One question I get, and I think it happens a lot with moms. I think we want to just be nurturing and keep our house and keep the children there and keep continuity. And it feels feels like it would be safe and good to do that. Sometimes financially, it doesn't make sense to do that. Sure. There's tax issues. Number one, if you keep the house after the settlement, you take on the full taxable gain on the house if you eventually have to sell it or you do sell it, right? And so look at your numbers. Look at your cash flow. How, how much is it going to cost to get you to stay in that house and be comfortable? Are you going to be house poor in that any money that you do have is kept to, you know, paying the mortgage on it? Right. Or what if something happens and, you know, you need a new roof, you know, that's going to cost $30,000. You know, how are you going to fund that? You know, all these good questions. Um, Again, trying to be treated as a business transaction as much as you possibly can. It's hard to think of it like that because it's your home. But in reality, you can create a nice new home for your family 
and then be able to thrive. And, you know, we can do a present value calculation. What is it going to take to get you up and running? Maybe you're going to do some education or get your MBA or do something like that. That'll just make you more marketable in the job market. Sure. All of those factors are considered and we can kind of kind of map out what your future is going to look like and what you're realistically probably going to need. Right. And from then you can kind of back into this number yeah. that you're going to feel good about. Right. You know? Right. And then when right, because when you've compiled all that information, you know what you need to live on a monthly basis even. You know um, you know, what maybe you're going, what you want to retire on, then you can operate off of that platform instead of this, the other spouse, like you said, is still withholding information, you know, about a property or a business asset or, you know, instead of chasing that ghost, yeah, operate on what you need. And I think that that's really good advice because it probably doesn't end up being the personality of a lot of high conflict divorces, trying to take the emotion out of it and just looking at it as a business transaction. What do you need? Focus on yourself. Focus on Absolutely. Yourself. Absolutely. It's, it's, I think it's excellent, excellent advice. With that being said, the second part of that, because you have to look at what you need and that may factor into your alimony or your spousal support, then there's child support. And child support sort of looked at much differently than spousal support, correct? Correct. Child support is mandated. It's very formulaic. It should be based on what dad makes, what mom makes, and percentage of time with each parent. Okay. I mean, that's kind of the quick and dirty of it, but it's not something that's necessarily as discretionary as spousal support. Spousal support and, you know, a good attorney will tell you all the different factors. But, you know, with spousal support, you're going to look at not only what what was the split of the marital estate, but what was your marital standard of living? Was there any abuse in the relationship? There's, I think there's like eight or 10 different factors in California. So, and it, it it's really going to be a lot more discretionary. You're going to have to have a lot more documentation for spousal support, child support, very formulaic. The courts are pretty clear cut on it and it's mandatory basically. So, okay. Okay. As a CDFA, do you ever just do mediations yourself or accompany your clients into their mediation? I accompany my clients. I'm not a mediator. I will help through the mediation process. If you think about most divorces don't go to court or don't get litigated. I think it's like less than 10%. I don't know what it is for California, but I think it's less than 10%. I have been part of a team on the mediation side because what ends up happening is there's probably three or four different key issues. Maybe there's five or six, depending on the case, because every marriage is different. Um, They go back and forth. Usually there's a financial component to it. Having somebody there that can crunch numbers, um, identify issues, one tip I want to tell all your listeners is always look at the after-tax impact of your marital split because what might look like a 50-50 division after taxes, you might end up with 70-30, right? If you don't think about. And you're thinking, you're going back and forth and you said, okay, I I think I can live with this. You're finally at a place. That's why I'm thinking, I want my CDFA there. (laughs) You just said, does this look as good as it is? 
Yeah. <laughs> and any good attorney, most attorneys, I should say family law, don't have an extensive tax background. And I would think they would want someone like you in the mediation because you are going to be able to give the real life version of that number. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a joke and I'm going to tell you why. My daughter gave me this riddle. What smells better than it tastes? I don't know. Your nose. <laughs> it's a terrible joke. Okay. But the point being is use your nose to smell, right? You want to use your mouth to taste. Yeah. And so likewise, I don't give legal advice. I don't give legal advice. That is not my realm of expertise. Likewise, from a financial accounting tax background, you know, for complex cases in particular, you want a financial professional there, you know, that can be the mouth and taste. You don't want, you know, (laughs) so I think there's a reason for that. And actually, it's going to be a much more efficient process if you can get the right people in around the table. They say there is certainly a case to be made for calling a CDFA and, and choosing one even before the attorney. And I think attorneys would even agree with that because if you can start to get your finances in order and there's someone on your side that's starting to get to understand all of the financial history and your assets, et cetera, and come in to the meeting with the attorney, it's just going to help the attorney do their job even more. And then you'd be able to follow that person, you know, throughout the case and and, you know, help them get what they need. So I think the CDFA is just, is an extremely important role. In yeah, case. no, thank you. I think, um, you know, I had, I've had a couple of really smart people come to me. They were thinking about it. And part of it's also feeling comfortable, you know, because it, 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 it's a huge change for a person to embark on divorce. It's not something that most people take lightly, nor right. should you. You know, it's given people a sense of comfort and understanding what it's going to look like so they know what it is going into it. Right. I think the attorneys that I work with enjoy having me work with their clients because instead of like this crazy pile of paper with numbers that are not substantiated or maybe mischaracterized, they get really good clients that have their paperwork all done for them, right? Right. Absolutely. And they're not trying to like flanagle and like manage or reconcile all these details. With all divorces, you're probably going to put in a financial disclosure documents, you know, so you're going to have your income and expense and your statement of financial assets. And what does that mean? That's another podcast. But I think it's just being able to detail and distill it down and break it down so that people are able to do that. I agree. Well, Miriam, I have one last question for you. Okay. Because the divorce process is not easy. And then if you are divorcing someone who um, is very difficult and you are in a high conflict situation, it's so taxing and overwhelming. And I just want listeners out there that are feeling that way to know that there is light into the tunnel and there is hope. And so what is one thing that you can think of that, that someone like that has to look forward to when they make it to the other side? Oh my gosh. I had somebody call me uh, and we were consulting and she asked me, oh my God, what did you feel like at the end of your divorce? And I was like, relief, you know, <laughs> I just Sometimes it feels like a long process. But I think that there's something about feeling good 
and confident and calm again, Mm -hmm. once you're on the other side of it, you will find your energy, your outlook change so much on the other side, especially if you've been a very distressful situation. You know, I think it's, you know, it's a scary thought to like go through divorce, but at the end, you will pleasantly surprise yourself at all the things that you've done as well as all the things that you can do. I completely agree. And on the topic of finances, what I learned during my divorce in terms of taxes and, and just all of my finances in general, my future, it was a painful journey and because I I knew very little and you know and like a lot of people out there you know very intelligent individuals but if we just weren't the one that had any you know knowledge of our finances during the divorce once you have a real grasp on all of that it is so empowering and I always say you know the fear of the unknown is the biggest fear once you know your fear and anxiety of many things just dissipates and and you just feel so empowered absolutely so Great. Miriam Chang thank you so much much for joining us. I just want everyone to share Miriam Chang Consulting. Miriam can be found at mchangconsulting.com. Learn more about her. She works out of the Los Angeles area in Manhattan Beach, California, and you have been a wealth of knowledge and information. No pun intended. But I just really appreciate the podcast. A lot of stuff that, that we all need to know going through this process. Fantastic. Such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.